It's Tuesday, September the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Taliban's assurance for Panjshiris and Biden's pledge to Texan abortion providers. First, the world in brief. The Taliban sought to assure the people of the Panjshir Valley that they have nothing to fear from their rule after the insurgents claimed to have won complete control over the province, the last in Afghanistan to have kept it at bay. However, reports from Kabul, the Afghan capital, suggest that women are already being segregated in universities and that many have yet to return to their jobs. A Taliban spokesman promised to reveal the makeup of the national government, quote, within days. President Joe Biden said recognition of the same was, quote, a long way off. America's Attorney General pledged to defend abortion providers in Texas after the state imposed a ban on the procedure as six weeks into pregnancy. Merrick Garland said he would enforce a federal law that makes it a crime to vandalise abortion clinics or intimidate their patients and employees. Several other Republican-led states are seeking to replicate Texas's prohibition. Brazil's President Jair Bolsonaro signed a decree limiting the power of social media firms to remove content after Facebook, Twitter and YouTube took down misleading posts by him and his allies, which included unproven cures for COVID-19. Massive pro-Bolsonaro rallies will mark Independence Day today by railing against Congress and the Supreme Court, which are investigating Mr Bolsonaro over his allegedly peddling misinformation. Maria Koleznikova, a prominent Belarusian opposition figure, was sentenced to 11 years in jail. Her crime was leading a protest against President Alexander Lukashenko last year after he stole an election. Western sanctions may have failed to dissuade the autocrats from cracking down on opponents, but he could not stop Ms Koleznikova from flashing her signature hand-shaped hand symbol of resistance as she was sentenced. The United Kingdom delayed imposing certain obligations on firms trading between Northern Ireland and Great Britain that are required as part of the Brexit agreement with the EU. Some were due to take effect on October 1st. But Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, is keen to rewrite the terms of the deal, known as the Northern Ireland Protocol, and has sought more negotiating time. Swiss Re, a reinsurer, predicted that climate change will increase property insurance premiums by up to $183 billion by 2040. The increased severity and frequency of extreme weather will add up to 63% to insured losses in developed markets within two decades, the firm said. Swiss Re's chief economist called climate change the, quote, number one risk to the global economy. Ryanair ended talks with Boeing for a big order of the latest iteration of the 737 MAX aeroplane over a price dispute. The budget carrier is already Europe's largest customer for the single-aisle jet, which is back in service after having been grounded following two fatal crashes in 2018 and 2019. Last year, Ryanair bought 75. And fact of the day, $44 billion, the annual revenues of Chinese video game developers whom regulators are targeting. And now, here's today's agenda. All doom and gloom? Germany's economy. 
optimism about Germany's economy will probably continue to slide in a survey published today. The ZEW Economic Sentiment Indicator, which polls around 350 financial market experts, fell for three consecutive months over the summer and is expected to drop for a fourth. Concerns about a new wave of COVID-19 and supply chain bottlenecks are causes for pessimism. Data show that German inflation rose to 3.9% in August from a year earlier. The Composite Purchasing Managers Index, which covers both the services and manufacturing sectors, expanded at a weaker pace, falling from 62.4 in July to 60 in August. But there is some good news. The Federal Statistics Office revealed this week that industrial orders rose by 3.4% in July. And the Finance Ministry claims that the German economy is on track for a strong recovery in the third quarter, driven mainly by domestic demand. Happy B-Day! Bitcoin in El Salvador El Salvador will adopt Bitcoin as legal tender from today, making it the first country to use a cryptocurrency as a national currency. Nayib Bukele, the president, announced plans formally to adopt the digital tokens just three months ago at a Bitcoin conference in Miami. Locals and crypto fans have dubbed September 7th, quote, B-Day. New legislation means Bitcoin can be used to pay taxes and discharge debts. It will also force businesses to accept the tokens as payment. To prepare for adoption, the country is launching its own digital Bitcoin wallet called, quote, Chivo, slang for cool which Salvadorians can use to hold and exchange Bitcoin. Some 200 cash machines that convert physical dollars into the cryptocurrency have been installed. Still, many businesses in San Salvador, the capital, seem unprepared. Three quarters of Salvadorans polled in July were sceptical of the rollout and two-thirds were unwilling to be paid in Bitcoin. Pill Pushers Opioid Distributors on Trial Drug makers and distributors face thousands of lawsuits over their role in America's opioid epidemic, which has left more than half a million people dead. On September 4th, a number of those suits neared an end. Three of the largest distributors and Johnson & Johnson, a manufacturer, agreed to pay $26 billion to 42 states. However, Washington state held out, reckoning it can win more at trial than the $527.5 million it was offered. Today, in a Seattle courtroom, the state will argue that the distributors, McKesson, Cardinal Health and Amerisource Bergen, fulfilled mass opioid orders from pharmacies without investigating them or reporting them as suspicious in violation of the law. They deny the charges. The result was a torrent of pills. Nearly one in four residents had at least one opioid prescription in 2014. Over 8,000 died between 2006 and 2017. How do the CEOs of these companies sleep at night? The State Attorney General asked when announcing the case. They may rest a little less easily now. Fire and Pestilence South Africa's Struggling Economy This was meant to be the year that South Africa's economy bounced back after a pandemic-induced contraction of 7% in 2020. 
economists had expected GDP to grow between 4% and 4.5% in 2021, its fastest in more than a decade. But figures for GDP for the second quarter, due out today, will dent those hopes. Lockdowns and just a trickle of tourists have throttled the recovery. As if pestilence were not enough, South Africa was also rocked by riots in July, following the jailing of former President Jacob Zuma, after he defied an order by the Constitutional Court to appear before a judge investigating corruption. The unrest probably reduced annual economic output by almost 1%. Mr Zuma's supporters, meanwhile, will be celebrating his early release from jail this week on grounds of ill health, a claim viewed as suspicious by many. Rooney's Return Beautiful World, Where Are You? Sally Rooney's third novel, Beautiful World, Where Are You? is published today amid much anticipation. Her earlier novels, Conversations with Friends and Normal People, were praised and critiqued for their sharp focus on characters' interior worlds. Such writing risks seeming indulgent amid the recent onslaught of human and natural crises. Beautiful World, Where Are You? explores that tension, asking whether a preoccupation with relationships and sentiment is ethical while wars and pandemics rage. The novel follows four characters, all of whom are in orbit around Dublin's literary scene. Miss Rooney maps out their overlapping love lives and career triumphs and challenges. In doing so, the book considers the ethics of fiction and the author's own qualms about her craft. But alongside such questioning, fans of Miss Rooney's previous work will find much to enjoy. There are love quadrangles, awkward sexual encounters, and strained relationships galore. Summer Quiz Week 8 It is the last chance to beat our baristas in the summer quiz. For Week 8, we'll again serve up a daily question. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Tuesday. Which author wrote The Pursuit of Love and Love in a Cold Climate? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Edith Sitwell, who was born on this day in 1887. I am patient with stupidity, but not those who are proud of it. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 